0: Lord, in the stories of your scripture, give us truth to cling to. Help us hear your still, small voice. That in hearing, we may learn to trust that you are good. Amen. Our first reading is from Palm chapters 96, verses 1 through 9. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks be to God.
1: Our gospel reading for this morning is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us today. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to Jesus along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere. And teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And show deference to no one for you do not regard people with partiality. So tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to to you, O Christ. Let's pray. God of servant rule, Your kingdom breaks our tangled webs where state and church collude to worship and trade on fear. Grant us the wit and will to give you what is your own, no more nor less than all the world and time. Through Jesus Christ, whose kingdom comes. Amen. Like many of you, I've often wondered how it is that Christians in Germany leading up to World War II were supportive of the Nazi government. How is it that so many people who understood themselves to be followers of Jesus Christ could so willingly support Adolf Hitler? How could so many people who claim Jesus as their Lord call Hitler their Fuhrer? Most of all, how could a nation of the most cultured, educated, and religious people in the Western world participate in or turn a blind eye to the extermination of six million Jews? How did that happen? Sadly, most of the the pastors and the priests of the time supported the Nazi government, equating their faith with nationalism. nationalism. That patriotism and faith were understood to go hand in glove. To support one was to support the other. Well, how is it that our faith relates to our citizenship? That's what Jesus was confronted with in the gospel reading today. If you recall, Jesus is in a showdown with the religious leaders of his time during Holy Week. This is Monday of Holy Week, and Jesus has the support of the crowds. And the religious leaders are threatened by this and threatened by Jesus' movement. And so they're trying to turn the crowd against him. And there's no better way to do that than to get his opinions on tax policy. (laughs) Does the law allow us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This seems like a simple question. But in Roman-occupied Israel, paying taxes to Caesar was hugely controversial. Rome was just the latest in a series of foreign occupying empires in Israel. And paying taxes to Rome was understood by many as paying for your own oppression. And so if Jesus says that it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, then he'll risk losing the support of the people and then he as a threat would be neutralized. But if he says that the law forbids paying taxes, then they could incite Rome to arrest him as a rebel. And so the religious leaders want to expose Jesus either as a collaborator or as a rebel. Pretty sneaky little plot. And I wonder how many binary questions are like that. Are you this or are you that? How many of them are inherently a trap? Are you a conservative or a liberal? Are you pro-Israel? Are you pro-Palestine? Are you pro-life? Are you pro-choice? No matter how we answer the question trapped. Jesus sees what they're doing, sees their sneaky plot, and outwits them. He says, why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they bring him a denarius. Now, we've actually heard a lot about denarius, denarii, in the last few weeks, because they keep coming up in Jesus' parables. So why don't we look at one? This is a Tiberian denarius in circulation at the time of Christ. And the words on there, what they say on the front Tiberius Caesar, son of the god Augustus. And on the back, the Latin reads Pontiff Maxim, which means high priest. Tiberius Caesar, son of God, high priest. These are some bold claims. Somebody feels pretty good about himself. Now, there are other coins in circulation around that time as well that named the Caesars as the savior of the world and as the bringer of peace on earth. Any of this language sound familiar to you? You see, the government, they didn't just want your loyalty and your taxes. No, they wanted your worship. For a Jew whose first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me, a coin that says, this guy is the son of God. Well, that's a no-go. Worship belongs to God alone. And so Jesus sees this trap, and he slips out of it by simply asking, you know, Who's, whose head is this, and whose title? The emperors, they answer. And Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God And they walk away astonished. Now, oftentimes this passage is understood as Jesus advocating for the separation of church and state, which I'm all for, personally. But I think that's anachronistic. In the ancient world, religion and politics were just utterly inseparable. So what Jesus is saying is much more subtle and provocative than advocating for a separation of church and state. When he says, whose head is this? It literally says in the Greek, whose image is this? Whose icon is this? And they respond, oh, that's Caesar's image. That's Caesar's icon. So give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Jesus is saying, you know, these idolatrous coins that we as human beings so carefully collect and so diligently count, and we derive our meaning and our security from them, well, Caesar can have those if he wants them. After all, he made them; he can have them. But give to God what belongs to God. So, what what belongs to God then, Jesus? Uh, Everything. And who bears God's image, Jesus? Everyone. Everyone bears the image of God, which means that you belong to God, and that's where you derive your meaning and your security from—not from your money. Certainly not from your government. So give to God what belongs to God means your whole life belongs to God. Your time, your talent, your treasure, everything you have, everything you are, everything you ever will be, it all comes as a gift from God. Now that's a lovely sentiment. But what does it mean? Well, it means a lot of things. For starters... What this means is it's a demonstration of us for how to disagree with each other well. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus is in a confrontation with the very people who would have him killed later on that week. And while he is in the midst of challenging them, he nevertheless affirms that his opponents are made in the image of God. See, often when we debate other people, we're... we're tempted to disparagement, to somehow see our enemies as less than ourselves. And this kind of contempt is alive and well right now. And if we are not careful, it will destroy us. And that is not an exaggeration. We see this in the conflict in Israel right now. It's not just a battle between human beings who have different understandings of the political situation in Gaza. No, it's characterized as a battle between human beings and animals. And who those animals are depends on which side you support. Well, that's a problem. Because if you're fighting animals and not precious souls made in the image of God, then who cares how many die? There's a reason that the Nazis referred to Jews as rats in their propaganda leading up to the final solution. It's because nobody feels bad about exterminating rats. And this is why we as Christians must fight tooth and nail, holding on to the image of God in the other person, to never Engaging in dehumanizing language towards those with whom we disagree, even when the other person wants to harm us. Jesus didn't degrade his opponents, even as he named their behavior as terribly wrong. And we need to learn to do the same. We have to hold on to the image of God with everything we have, affirm that all are made in God's image. Every single Israeli who was killed on that horrible day, October 7th, 2023 all of them beloved of god every single palestinian who's been killed since that time all of them beloved of god every member of the idf and yes every member of hamas all made in the image of god and each of them that dies it's a tragedy And if we can't say that, then we've lost the plot. Give to God what belongs to God. Well, what else does it mean to give to God what belongs to God? Well, it means that our ultimate loyalty can never be to a country or to a government, but to God alone. You can love your country, you can serve it, You can want to see it flourish. All of that is good and healthy. But the moment that loyalty to one's nation becomes your ultimate concern, you're worshiping an idol. Governments have a role to play in our life, and we can appreciate that role and support it with our taxes and with our service. For my part, I mean, honestly, I am happy to pay the taxes that I do. Right? I mean, I get clean water. I live in a prosperous community with healthy schools. These are all precious gifts that I am grateful for. So yeah, you can have my taxes. But my ultimate loyalty is to a power that is greater than the city of Dublin. That is greater than the state of Ohio or the United States of America. And to lose sight of that is part of why the most educated, cultured, and religious country in the 20th century became the greatest force for evil that the modern world had ever seen. And it's not just a history lesson either. Nationalism is on the rise all around the globe. And it is an open question right now as to whether Christians in our country are going to follow the same path the Germans did in the 1930s and 1940s. Now, of course, I should say most Germans. Because there were some who resisted and did so out of their loyalty to Jesus. In the Presbyterian Church's Book of Confessions, our Church's Book of Confessions, we've included the Barman Declaration, which was written in 1934 by a small group of brave pastors and church members who saw what was happening and decided we must give to God what belongs to God. The Barman Declaration begins, Jesus Christ, as he is attested for us in Holy Scripture, is the one word of God, which we have to hear and which we have to trust and obey in life and in death. We reject the false doctrine as though the church could and would have to acknowledge as a source of its proclamation, apart from and beside this one word of God, still other events and powers, figures and truths as God's revelation. Now, that may sound like not much to us. (laughs) But what they were saying is that loyalty to Christ is above all. And no government, no Fuhrer can compete with our loyalty to God. Give to God what belongs to God, even if it costs you your very life. For life itself comes from God. And so, as nationalism is on the rise in our country once more, it is time for us to make Barman our confession as well. Beloved, you belong to God, <laughs> whether you know it or not. And you are made in the divine image and so is everyone else. To be made in God's image means that you have an infinite worth. You are precious beyond what you can imagine. So precious that God became human, lived and died as one of us, all that you might know just how loved you are. Enemies, friends alike, all beloved of God. And that's where your meaning comes from, in your security, not from your money, not from this country, but from the one who made and cherishes you, you and everyone else. So give to God what belongs to God. For God has given God's all that we might belong to him. Amen.